Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Hello, everybody, and welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. And today, I just wanted to welcome Governor Mike Dunleavy to the show. We have a special edition of Must Read Alaska show. And Governor, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be on, Suzanne. Thanks for having me. And we have done some podcasts together before. We've done some Facebook Live. I really appreciate you coming on. I think this is a great avenue for you to be able to speak directly to Alaskans and to you know bypass some of the mainstream media channels, but just to speak directly to Alaskans. And we have a, a great audience of people who are very interested in politics and leadership in Alaska and getting Alaska back on the right track. So um, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit today about some of the breaking news around the, the virus, the COVID virus, and to hear your perspective on it. You're getting a lot of pressure. I wrote about this earlier about this sort of rolling drumbeat. First, it was the head of the Yukon Kuskokwim Health Corporation saying he wanted you to pin everybody down and shoot them up with a vaccine, you know, demanding that. And then, you know, Representative Tiffany Zolkowski and Liz Snyder wrote their op-ed. They, they want you to um, have a, a disaster declaration and mandated vaccines. We're seeing it in the uh, other op-eds that are showing up. Now today, we have the House majority, which is the liberal majority run by Louise Stutes of, of Kodiak, demanding uh, a disaster declaration from you. Um, what is the state of the virus right now in our hospital capacity uh, in Alaska? Well, there's no doubt that this, uh, this Delta variant, I think everyone has heard about it, is impacting our hospital capacity. I, I was just uh, went to a, um, a hospital here just a couple minutes ago, I was there for about an hour and a half with uh, our health team having discussions with health uh, officials, nurses, doctors on the floor, et cetera. And there's, there's no doubt that the capacity is constrained. Cap the capacity is constrained for a number of reasons. So usually this time of the year in Alaska, folks are uh, recreating outdoors, uh, they're riding four-wheelers, they're hunting, they're biking, they're, they're mountain biking, they're hiking, et cetera. And this is causing some traumas. And there's also surgery scheduled this time of the year as well, as there is throughout most of the year, but particularly this time of the year. And that coupled with this Delta variant, uh, along with the fact that over the last several months, uh, the capacity at the hospital in terms of the number of healthcare workers has, has uh, uh, diminished. Uh, people are just tired. They're tired of the pandemic. They're tired of working long hours. But this is true across the country, and this is this is part of uh, you know part of the, uh, the the manifestation of this virus and how it's um, uh, pounding society. So, long story short, the virus is real. It is making people sick. Uh, that coupled with the other things I just mentioned is really constraining the capacity at the hospitals. And you know what I want to tell Alaskans is. If, if you're looking at utilizing the hospitals in a manner that you, you may have thought you could do so in the past, you might be disappointed, meaning that the beds are filling up, that the staff is diminished and the staff that is there, they're working overtime. So you may not get the care 
that uh, you have come to expect in our hospitals. That doesn't mean these folks aren't working hard. They are working hard. Um, we, we, as I mentioned, we visit the hospitals today, visited the hospital yesterday, and not as a political stunt, but to go in there and just talk to the people that are on the front lines, talk to some of the administrators. And again, the, the theme coming out is that there's absolutely a constraint. There's a capacity issue. More people are coming in with the virus. Almost all of those people coming in with the virus, as I said, almost all, uh, have not been vaccinated. Um, the age group on those coming in is is dropping. It used to be, um, you know, some of our very older folks before the vaccination. Now that most of those folks have been vaccinated, the age group is is uh, is dropping. Is 60, 50 years old, 40 years old, and so my message to the people of Alaska would be. Um, you know, this may be the time to get the vaccination. And this is also a time to be very careful in what you do in terms of your outdoor activities, uh, because you may find yourself needing care and the care may not be there or be up to the uh, standards that you're used to. Suzanne, with regard to the disaster request, the, the issue is we, we can't keep issuing disasters. This virus it appears to be shaping up to where we're going to have to live with it. What does that mean? It doesn't look like it's going to be snuffed out by the vaccinations. Uh, certainly, it's it's going to eventually become controllable in the sense that those that get vaccinated, they're going to be better able to withstand the virus if, if they're infected. But the long story short is, and I think many leaders across the world are coming to recognize this, that this thing probably will be with us for some time uh, if not forever. And so to continually uh, be issuing uh, disaster declarations, really, it's, it's an inappropriate use of that power. Those disaster declarations really were designed for an earthquake, a volcanic eruption, fires, floods, uh, that sort of thing. And so really what we need to have is targeted response to the needs that the hospital has, the hospital situ uh, system uh, has and needs. So We've been in conversation with the heads of the hospitals and my health team for some time. We put together a, uh, a list of their asks and uh, a number of those asks we could deal with uh, internally through uh, procedures through the administration. But some of the asks, for example, dealing with uh, nurses compact, it really needs to be a change in the law. And the reason why this is important, if you just give me a second, is under a disaster declaration the last 30 days. Well, what the hospitals really need is not a temporary fix, for example, to the nursing compact. They need a long-term fix. They need to be able to have the flexibility ah. in their systems to hire folks out of state and across state lines. And so there's a number of states that are part of a nursing compact um, that um, it just makes it so much easier for nurses to be able to go from one state to another. There's high standards. There's no doubt about it. Uh, those nurses are vetted. But nonetheless, in Alaska, we, um, we really need to take a look at this. And that's what's part of the short, targeted legislative uh, ask that we're asking the legislature to consider. The legislature wants us to do a declaration thinking it's going to take care of that particular issue. Doesn't necessarily work that way. And so we're asking the legislature to show the people of Alaska that they can work together quickly and get the hospital systems the tools that they need. And so that's our ask. Uh, I think that's the ask of many in the, the hospital system, not a blanket disaster declaration that really is not going to solve all the issues facing our systems. So basically you're saying, let's, let's see if we can do this without a disaster declaration first, because disaster declaration, 
it started, it's going to start to lose its meaning if we keep using it over and over again. And we saw that Anchorage, Anchorage itself was locked down into a disaster mode for months, for, you know, almost a year. And after a while, it's like, okay, what if we really do have a disaster? Then what, what does it mean? So we can't continue to live in disaster mode all the time when we can actually solve it legislatively and you've asked them to do that are they have they been responsive so far i mean you just made this request yesterday where is that legislation at well um i think it's sitting uh i think it's sitting uh in the in the various bodies uh, my understanding is is that there's members of the house that went home for a long weekend right um, and um uh you know our ask is that they they, they work on this as quickly as possible to come up with a, a resolution that's going to, once again, assist through legislative changes, suspensions, uh, timelines, et cetera, so that the, the hospitals, once again, can build a capacity. A, a, a declaration, a continual series of declarations is a bad thing for any state or any country, to be perfectly honest with you. And it should be used very, very sparingly. It's not necessarily the appropriate tool that is called for at this time. This legislation that we put in that will suspend some of the laws in place is really the way to go, a targeted approach. Because what we may end up having over time is more requests from the hospital systems to expand their capacity on a long-term basis so that the systems themselves can respond to getting more staff in a timely manner, uh, getting staff so that there's not a lot of hurdles that they have to jump through, but at the same time, ensuring that the staff we're getting are quality folks. Right now, that's part of the constraint issue that we're dealing with. You don't, we, we, don't need, we don't need a declaration. I know some people think that would be the easier thing to do, but what I'm asking the legislature to do is go back and legislate, take a look at the ask that we just put in yesterday. It's very short, very targeted. Have the committee meetings and take a vote on it as quickly as possible so that we can change this in statute instead of relying on the governor to constantly call disaster declarations, which many people, I would say the vast majority of people in Alaska think is is not appropriate. Now, with that said, Suzanne, I have to emphasize, the virus is real. More and more people are being touched by it. They know people that are in the hospitals. They know people that have become sick. They know people, unfortunately, that have passed away. They know this is real. I'm asking everyone to seriously consider getting a vaccination as soon as possible. People know that I did. They also know that I had the virus. Um, but at the same time, um, we don't need to be constraining uh, businesses or the lives of Alaskans. And I'm not saying that people are asking for that, but that, that, that you gotta be very careful that governors and presidents and heads of uh, cities, mayors, et cetera, they just don't use this tool constantly because it's going to have impacts in our society that aren't necessarily good. Mm, really, some, some good points. You know, I've heard from this uh, Winkleman out there at the Yukon Kaskokwim Health uh, Corporation, and they've asked you to enact these mandates. They want masks, universal masking. They want universal vaccines, uh, vac- vaccination mandates. But in fact, who is the actual governing body of the unincorporated boroughs in, that are, are being impacted? My question is, why doesn't the legislature, which is the assembly for the unorganized part of the state, if they're so eager to have mandated vaccines and mandated masks, why don't they do it? They're the actual assembly for rural Alaska. 
people like Tiffany and people like Bryce Edgman, the representatives from those areas, they could just go ahead and ask their colleagues to pass a disaster kind of dec declaration for their own communities. They have that power. Well, um, uh, they, 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 uh, they are the, uh, the assembly for the unorganized borough. That's a fact. But again, we just have to be careful that we're not going overboard. Uh, that we're not just um, carpet bombing the issue of the, the issue of the virus with all kinds of mandates and expectations and changes in laws and suspensions of regulations. It's not it's not what's really needed at this time. Um, again, we're talking to the folks on the front lines, the folks in the hospitals, the medical uh, professionals. What is it that you need? They need more bodies. They need more people. They need more capacity in terms of healthcare professionals. How do we get that? They're, they're telling us how to do this. And so we're passing this on to uh, the various uh, agencies within the government, as well as the legislature. And that's once again, that's what the bill is all about. And so, you know, I guess, Suzanne, bottom line is this. The, the, the legislature, the House, um, in, this, in this case yesterday, was a, there was a meeting in uh, House uh, uh, Hess. The, the, the yeah, Hess. Hess. Health and Social yeah. Services, right. Yeah. Yes, um, they, they, they need to step up to the plate. Uh, again, it's easy just to ask the governor to do a, uh, an emergency declaration, which again, I outlined that it's not the appropriate tool at this time. What's the appropriate tool is to change some of the statutes so that the hospitals have the capacity. We're asking them to do a little bit of the work. Mm -hmm. We're asking them to consider what the needs are of the hospitals. We're asking them to convene themselves, to come back from a long weekend and focus on this. If they think it's important, and I think they do, then really they should be holding hearings and making a decision on these requests that we put in on behalf of the hospital association and systems. And maybe, and maybe they should be doing it this weekend instead of going home. But unfortunately, you know, the legislature has basically left the building and most of them are, are gone. So this very important legislation that could help increase the capacity of our hospitals is not going to get done over the weekend. And it's obviously Labor Day weekend. It might not get done until next week. They're just not the sense of urgency they want. They want dad to, to No, take but charge, unfortunately, yeah, no, but unfortunately what you're probably gonna see is a ratcheting up of the, uh, the call for a disaster declaration. A disaster. And right. In other words, I, I, would, I would sure hate to see energy put into that as opposed to energy put into having hearings and then taking a vote. Because again, that's the long-term solution is dealing with these statutes to help these systems become more nimble and flexible so that they don't have to rely on declarations, disaster declarations, that they then have the, the ability working with their respective uh, medical groups and associations to be able to hire the staff that they need in the manner that they need to do it. And same with telehealth. Uh, again, um, a disaster declaration is not going necessarily help with expansion of telehealth. A change in statute will. And that really is the bottom line. So again, Suzanne, when your listeners hear, hey, the governor, quote, he's not doing his job, he's not doing this. That's not true at all. We're on top of this. We're, we're constantly working this issue. But we know so much more about this virus. We have a tool mm. now, the vaccination, which I urge people to get. We have monoclonal antibodies in which when somebody's infected, they can go and, uh, and get the therapy known as monoclonal antibodies at a number of different places throughout the state. 
we know that if you <clears throat> if you aren't sure if you've got it or not, there's many, many different places to go get tested. So we have in place things for individual Alaskans to do to take responsibility for their own health. Our job is to help the systems, including the hospital systems and the, 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 uh, the, uh, the medical professionals, to identify what it is that they need and help expand those systems. That's what this legislation does. Very good, very good. So we're, we've got this special session. It's it's now we're we're closing in on the end of it. We've we've got a week and a half left. The uh, house, the legislation for the eleven hundred dollar PFD and the other the other aspects of HB three thousand three has now been kicked over to the Senate. And to summarize for listeners, I believe that it that they sent over a permanent fund dividend amount that was an unfunded dividend because they used fund sources that weren't, that didn't have any money in them. But uh, it's now, it looks like it's up to the Senate to solve that problem for them in the House. And I don't know what, how they'll solve the problem. And I don't know where we're at with this special session. I was wondering if you have any clues for us. You know, I've talked to observers that, uh, that have been in the state for a very long time, many, many decades. Some of them are, are previous and former retired legislators. Some are just uh, astute observers of the politics in Alaska. They haven't, they've never seen anything like this. They've never seen yeah. the, this inability for folks to sit down, have a conversation and come up with a, a compromise. And why do I say a compromise? Because the fact is that Alaska, uh, whether people like it or not, Alaska is split between uh, basically your two parties. The legislature is for the most part. It tends towards uh, being Republican, but there are a number of Democratic elected officials. So what's, what's the point? You got to sit down, you have to have a conversation as to how you come up with a sustainable long-term fiscal plan. The same thing we've been talking about for years and years and years that just keeps getting ticked down the road. And we've had a series of special, ses special sessions in which we've incorporated a number of the asks that the legislature has so they can have more tools on the table to have conversations. Well, it doesn't work if you have tools on the table and you don't want to pick them up and start using them. It doesn't work if you don't want to sit down with your fellow legislators and say, all right, how do we get to an end game? How do we get to a sustainable fiscal plan? It doesn't work. And it doesn't work if you're home, if you flew out of mm -hmm. Anchorage right now and you're not there. That doesn't work either. But we're determined to get a, a fiscal plan that's sustainable. We're going to stay down there as long as we need to, or we'll, we'll have it somewhere else in the state if we need to. But I'm hoping that these elected officials, those that went home this weekend, that they take the opportunity to do what I've done here the past couple of weeks, have conversations with everyday Alaskans. And they might be surprised to find out that a lot of Alaskans right now are not only hurting, because they were laid off because of the pandemic or their hours were shortened or their business doesn't have the business it once did and that they too have bills to pay, they have mortgages to pay, they have car payments to pay, et cetera. But they may find out that uh, Alaskans truly do value this permanent fund and this permanent fund dividend. And it would be one thing, Suzanne, if we were having this conversation with the backdrop in that the, the, the permanent fund, the corpus, the body of it lost money. Uh, maybe you know lost 10 million dollars or 15 million dollars that might that might color the conversation uh certainly a, a little differently than what we're having now the fact is that permanent fund went from about 65 66 billion dollars in a little over a year to 83 83 now not 81 not 83 plus and so in alaska's time of need 
in which the people of Alaska could sure use an infusion to help pay their bills, in which the economy could sure help, uh, sure, sure use an infusion to, to, to keep the economy upright. We have a plan that we've offered up that takes a, uh, uh, takes a portion of that uh, windfall, spreads it across several years, uh, is able to give Alaskans a dividend that they expect. We don't have to tax businesses. We don't have to severely, severely cut government. And um, it's a win, win, win for everybody. But for reasons that a lot of longtime observers just can't figure out, there's a handful of folks um, in some key positions that are just determined, it appears, not to come up with a solution that works for Alaskans. And so I feel it's a moral obligation to keep these folks focused on the solutions. And so whatever it's going to take to get to that point, however long we need to do it, uh, we're, we're going to do it. But we've got to come up with a solution now. We have the tools to do it. We have the ability to do it. And we've just kicked this can just way too far down the road. That's right. Ever since uh, 20, 2016, this has been, uh, well, 2017, SB uh, 26 created a problem. They knew they had a problem. They said, we'll come back and we'll fix it. Here we are in 2021, and it's still not fixed. And it seems to be more difficult than ever to fix it. But if they don't come up with a, a, a reasonable solution, are you willing to call them back into a fourth special session this year? Well, I was going to say that they're going to have to because we're going to keep at it. Yes. Yeah, we have to solve this because once we go into an election year, everyone that understands how it's, how the game is played in Juneau knows that there's not going to be not going to be hard decisions. People are going to go into campaign mode, and then you're going to hear you know uh, the different uh, the different takes on why someone did support something or why someone did not. So we need to get this done now. And and quite you know to be fair to the people in the legislature, they know this as well. And to be fair yes. to the legislature, the majority of legislators, the majority, I am convinced, want to solve this now. Again, yes. it, you know, I'm calling upon a, a handful of folks in key positions to give this legislature an opportunity to vote on these bills that we've put in to be heard, uh, to be reworked if necessary, and use the tools available to solve this issue now. For the life of me and others, we just can't understand why that is such a difficult task uh, for a number of these folks. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. I know this was a, a kind of a last minute request that I had that you come on and talk to Alaskans about the virus, about this pressure that you're experiencing to have an, an, a, a disaster declaration once again, <laughs> and about the, the permanent fund, which is important to every single Alaskan and to economies all over the state. Um, thank you so much for being on the show today. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we yeah. let you go back to? Yeah, Suzanne, thank you. I just, I just want to say, you know, in, in talking with our healthcare officials, they're really the doctors, the nurses, uh, CNAs, et cetera, respiratory therapists, you name it. They, they really are. They really are decent people. And they're under difficult conditions right now. The hospitals are being swarmed. I mean, there's a lot of folks needing care for the reasons I stated. And I asked Alaskans, if you've been thinking about getting a vaccination, I urge you to get a vaccination now. I, I, I really do. And if you find yourself not feeling well, please get tested. And if you test positive, there's places to go get the monoclonal uh, antibodies that will help, uh, will help with your symptoms. And so if you find yourself having to go to the hospital, and you're not feeling well, it's understandable that um, 
you're probably not going to be in a position necessarily to be at uh, the top of your game. But please keep in mind that these folks that are trying to help you there um, are, are really decent people trying to do the best job they can. And if you can help with, uh, with, with taking care of your own health, that would be terrific. We're going to help the hospitals and, and the professionals. And I just ask that the legislature take up these bills as quickly as possible uh, instead of kind of sidetracking things by asking for a disaster declaration. Thanks, Suzanne. Thanks so much and good luck. And we want you to, we want you to succeed, Governor, because when you succeed, that means the state succeeds. So have a great weekend and thanks so much. Thank you. And for everybody else, thank you for joining us for the Must Read Alaska Special Edition here on um, September 3rd, where we were just really lucky to have the governor of Alaska with us talking about these very relevant things. If you want to see more good content, go to mustreadalaska.com, where we put up content every single day. You can also find us on our Facebook page, Twitter, and some of the other social media. And we have a newsletter that goes out three times a week. Sign up for that at mustreadalaska.com. And Scott Levesque, our producer, thank you for all you do. Thank you for uh, producing the Wednesday show and hosting the Wednesday show and doing it all, all things. You're like an octopus. You can do everything. Appreciate you so much. And for everybody else, we're signing off until next week from somewhere in Alaska. Bye.